0: Well church, if you have your Bibles, grab them to and open them to First Peter chapter three for a message entitled, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and you speak for today. Lord, you know the hot topics, you know how to explain them, and how to get us, your children, to thrive, to be obedient to you in all things, to operate how you have designed us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word, we cherish it, and we just ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand it and apply it to our lives. Lord, let us be excited for the areas that we are doing well, and cry out to you for help where we aren't doing so well. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So God has his design for marriage. God has a purpose. He has created it. He said there is one man, one woman for life. That's marriage. Now there's some little caveats to that, but for the most part, for the most people, they will get married. And he has a plan, and here's what he said is, I have created marriage, I've created man and woman, and I have a plan. I have a plan. Now, if you know anything about me and my building projects, they kind of go like this. Hey, let's build a structure, and let's just see how it goes and I developed the plan as I am building. And I will say this, they never, never, with a capital N, turn out very good. So if I ask you, if you say you're building a house, and I say, man, let's just start building it. Let's just go for it. Understand that's my personality, and it will not end well for you. I started out thinking, okay, you know what? Let's just do it this big, this big, this big. And then you, if you start looking close, you'll think... Got it. He didn't have a plan. But God does have a plan for marriage. God has a design for marriage. Now, maybe that you're here and you think, you know, Rusty, my marriage is actually on the rocks. And we wouldn't know it because you're able, you and your spouse are able to kind of hide that. But just like we sing that song, Revive, Lord, start a revival, my hope and my prayer is that if your marriage is struggling, that God would bring revival to your marriage. But my question is, what have you built your marriage upon? What plans are you using to structure your marriage? And I would plead with you to try God's plan, try His way for marriage, So if we want to start off how we got to marriage, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. First we have to look at creation. Because in order to jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, it's going to talk about wives and husbands and their relationships with each other. We first have to understand how God created the man, how God created the woman, and how God created marriage in order for 1 Peter chapter 3 to make sense. So look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 5 through 9 it says this When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground verse 7 Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust, so think about that, God formed man from the dust, from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, skip down. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat the eat it, you will surely die. So, first let's establish this. God created man from the dust... And he gave him a job. So part of the curse is not that we have to work. That's not part of the curse. Because this is pre-curse. And God said this, I'm going to give you a job. Here's what you're going to do. And then he gave him authority to lead in obedience to God. Which is don't do this. You can do all of this. You can eat all of this. But don't eat this. God established the man, Adam, as the authority. There it is. It's just Adam. There is... It's very simple. God gave him a job and he gave him authority. Now look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So God says this, after all of his creation, he said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then when he created man, he said it is not good that he's by himself. It's not good. And he says this, I will make him a helper fit for him. So very simply, God's design is that he's going to create a woman to help the man, going to help him. Now notice this, he does not create woman from the same substance that he created man from, from the dust. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to livestock and to the birds and to the heavens and every beast of the field. But Adam, there was no, not found a helper fit for him. So God gave Adam authority to name the animals. Verse 21, So the Lord caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up in its place with flesh. Verse 22, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man... He made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, here's the setting for what God's word is is that God designed a man, took him from the dust of the earth, gave him a job, gave him authority. He said, it's not good that he's by himself. I'm going to bring him a helper, a helpmate. This woman is going to be taken actually from man and she's going to be with him. But if you notice that he, Adam still has the authority. Look at 1 Corinthians, well, let me just read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 7-9. through nine says this, For man was not made for woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Now think about this. In our culture, they have produced a plan for men and women and for marriage. The world says this is how it's supposed to be. But here's the thing, is that God says this is how it's supposed to be. So what you have to decide is what plan you're going to follow. And you have to ask yourself, is God's plan bad? Because if I can accurately instruct you on God's word and prove to you that God does have a plan for marriage and it's beautiful and it's not to be shunned and there's nothing derogatory about it, my hope is that you would say, that's the plan that I'm going to follow for my marriage. Now look at Genesis chapter 3, 1-6. through six. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? And that's exactly what the world is saying to us. The world says to every woman and to every man, did God actually say? That's how it's supposed to be. And the same questioning that, that the enemy in this, it's the serpent, which is Satan, the devil, the adversary, is coming and he's calling into question God's design. He says this Did God actually say, You shall not eat of, of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband and with her, and he ate. So here's the thing is that... God has the design. He says, here's my authority. You can't do this, Adam. I'm establishing you as the authority head. Now, here's what happens. Eve sees the fruit. She takes it. She gives some of her husband. He takes it. But now, interestingly enough, look who God comes to and says, what happened? Look who God comes to. Genesis chapter 3, 8 through 13. And they heard... The sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? See, here's the thing is that God gave the authority to the man and said, Listen, this is what you're supposed to do. He taught his wife, and then when there was a failing, he went to the one who had the authority, and he held him accountable. He held the man accountable. And look what the man says. Verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Obviously, God knew exactly what had happened. The man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. There's man abrogating his authority saying, listen, it wasn't my fault, it was the woman. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now sin enters into the world, and now there's consequences. So I want to establish this first, that before sin entered the world, God created Adam first. He gave him authority. He said it's not good for him to be alone. He brought woman as a helpmate to help him. So everything is great. There is nothing derogatory about that. It's a beautiful design. And I'll prove to you it's a beautiful design because we're going to talk about submission today. And Jesus submits to the Father. And Jesus is fully God. God. So submission is not derogatory or demeaning in any way. It just has to do with how God has structured something. But this world has said, has God really said? And some of us are really confused about how marriage should be. But the beautiful thing is that if we just look at God's word and we say, Lord, I want to build my marriage on your design, our marriages flourish. But if we say, you know what, I don't trust God, and I don't trust that he has the best thing for me, we're gonna take the forbidden fruit and we're gonna eat. And our marriage is gonna fall apart. We have to trust the the, the designer, the creator. Look at the consequences of sin, Genesis chapter three, 16 through 19. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. All the woman said, thanks Eve. And in pain you shall bring forth children. Now, here's the biggest thing. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Verse 17 And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of the face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for the, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Go back to the verse 16, second half of verse 16. Your desire, Eve, shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you. Now here's what's happening is that the part of the curse is that the beautiful submission and authority of the husband and wife is now going to be terribly messed up. As in now the husband is going to harshly rule over his wife with authority is given, which is sin, and now the wife is going to desire the man's authority, which is sin. Tension. Tension in marriage. I want to establish this though. I want to establish that God-ordained submission is not bad or degrading, and Jesus is God, yet He submitted to the Father. Because if I can establish that submission is not bad, and that Jesus Christ submits to the Father, then if I can establish that God wants wives to submit to their husbands, my hope is that you will be persuaded that this is a good thing. Now turn to the New Testament, John chapter 1. First, we need to establish who Jesus is. Now, we saw that last week, but a little bit more detail. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness... And the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14. So, Jesus is the Word, Jesus is God, Jesus has always existed. Now, John chapter 10, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? They're talking to Jesus. If you are the Christ, which is, if you're the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, tell us plainly. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The, you do not believe. the works that I do in my Father's name... Me and the Father are one. Jesus is saying, I am God. Now look at the reaction. Verse 31 The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. The reason why we want to kill you is because you make yourself God. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying, is that He is God. Now, here's what I want to show you, is that Jesus submits to the Father. Luke 22, verse 39. And He came out and went as with His custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed Him, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt and prayed, saying, Father. So here's Jesus. Jesus goes out. He kneels down. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is saying, I'm submitting to your will. Philippians 2, 6-8, through 8, who, "...who though he was not in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." God said this, "...son, I'm going to send you to earth... And I want you to be obedient and to submit to my will. And Jesus said, listen, if this cup can pass for me, please let it pass. But if not, I submit. And Jesus submitted to persecution. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Think about that. Is there anything belittling or degrading about that statement, that the head of every man is Christ? I would say no. No one in here says, I'm offended by that. And this, the last half of that says, in the head of Christ is God. Is there anything belittling about the head of Christ being God the Father? There's nothing belittling about this. So look at the middle part of that sentence, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the head of wife is her husband. So if it's not a belittling thing for Jesus to be the head of the man, and it's not a belittling thing for God the Father to be the head of Christ, then why does our church have such a problem with that the head of the woman is man? It's an authority structure that God has set up, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's God's structure. There's nothing belittling about that. So let me read to you today's text. First Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise, likewise. What does that mean, likewise? Well, if you look back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, remember it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Likewise, likewise, like in verse 13, how we as Christians are supposed to submit to the governing authorities, says here, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, there's a key word, own, your own husbands. which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord or Master. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now you say, okay, Rusty, that's just one text. Let me give you another one. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle and any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is beautiful. And no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Colossians 3:18 through 19 Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them So here's the thing saints it is a beautiful thing for a husband to love his wife like Jesus Christ loves his church I bet you every woman in here says, Rusty, if you could guarantee me that my husband would love me like Jesus Christ loves the church, I would have no problem submitting to him. But you don't understand, Rusty, if you understand what my husband is really like, then you would understand why I've had to take over the authority of this home because if I didn't, this house would fall apart. And if you say that, my heart goes out to you because it's probably true. What's happened is that in our day and age, men have abrogated their responsibility to leave their homes and they head to the garage and they become one of the kids and they let the wife run the show. And guess what? They're happy with that. They put all the pressure on the wife to now have to hold everything together. And they run off with their little hobbies, golfing six hours on a Saturday. So they work Monday through Friday, and then they're gone for six hours on a Saturday. They show up here for another four hours. They go home. They watch some football. And the wife says, how am I supposed to follow that? He doesn't lead us. He doesn't want to lead us. He just acts like one of the kids. And so the opposite, what I see today is instead of husbands being harsh with their wives and overly domineering in this American society, men have become pansies and relegated their authority to their wives and they head and they go do whatever they want, their little hobbies. That's a sin. And so what other thing does the woman have but to step up and then go out and try to lead this family, bring them to church because the husband isn't bringing them to church. Holding the family together, the glue of the family. Because the husband says, listen, it wasn't me, it was the wife that you gave me. And he's going to blame everything on the wife. It's sin, and it started with Adam. The hard thing is, wives, is saying, you know what? He isn't worthy to be respected. But I would say this. Wives, God still wants you to respect your husband. And here's what you should say. Not a chance, buddy. You're not going to relegate your authority in this home and put it on me. You're going to lead us. Don't let him run to the garage. Don't let him say, I'm checking out. Don't make it easy for him. Say, no, no, you're the one that has the authority in this home. You lead us. You pray for us. You drive us to church. You run this house. I'll follow you. I'll pray for you. But guess what? I'm no longer going to lead. and just, Just drop the reins. Women, you have that authority to say, you know what? No, 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 no. You lead. You lead. Wives, ask yourself this question. Why is God telling you to submit to your husband? And ask the question, why is the world telling you not to submit to your husband? Wives, ask yourself this question, who do you strive to be like? When you put someone in your life and you say, this is my role model, is it a powerful man is it a rich woman? Is it someone on TV? Or is it a woman that you have found in the Bible? Do you say, you know what, Rusty, actually Sarah is my hero. She's the one that I look up to. You look at some of these beautiful women in scripture and you say, no, that's my role model. The preacher's temptation in this is to overly clarify a husband's authority and a woman's submission and how that should look in their home. And guess what, Saint? I'm not going to do that. Because the Bible says that when you became a Christian, the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and He could work it out. He could show you who's supposed to do this, who's supposed to do that. But I do know this the overall authority structure in the home is that the man should lead the home. But I would encourage you, when you leave here, your action steps are this sit down with your husband, sit down with your wife, and say this. The wife should say, How can I better submit to your authority? Just give me a few ways. What are some of the things that I'm doing that, that just start to take your leadership in this home? And the husband should say, wife, show me some ways that I'm being overly harsh, that I'm lording over you, or that I've, abrogated my leadership. I would encourage you, try it God's way. He designed it. This is what he says, and it's beautiful. Now look at the text again. Wives, if you have an unbelieving husband, it doesn't say, grab tracks, And put them in his golf bag. Put them in his shorts. Everywhere he goes, you're going to put a track. And then you're going to have radio, Christian radio, just cranked up every time you get in the car. And you're like, man, listen, I hope with all your words you're trying to save him. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that's how you're going to win your husband. So look in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, as in they are not Christians, they may be what? One, without a word, by the conduct of their wives. By your conduct. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Wife, you're not fooling around. You're not having an emotional relationship with another man. That's wrong. You're pure. Your husband sees that. Your unbelieving husband sees that. Do not let your adorning be external. Now here's the thing. This is not forbidding wearing clothes, obviously. It's not forbidding wearing jewelry, obviously. What it's saying is don't let your adornment, your attractiveness just be about the exterior. Let it be on the inside, but let your adorning be the the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is what? Which in God's sight is very precious. It's beautiful. Women, I would, I, would, I would want you to ask this question. Do I more care about conforming to what the world says is beautiful or to what my God says is beautiful is precious? I think if you thought about it, you'd say, you know what, I do care more about what God says. I want to be precious in His sight. Wives, the higher your view of God, the easier it will be for you to submit to your husband because you realize God is in control. God is going to be the one that saves your unbelieving husband. He's going to be the one that helps your husband learn how to lead. The higher your view of your God, the easier it would be for you to step back and say, you know what? I was wrong. I stepped into authority in our home, and I was wrong. And step back and say, Lord, forgive me, but I pray that you would use my husband to lead us. It might take some time but you just continue to have faith in your God and you trust him. You have a choice to embrace God's design for marriage or the world's. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. You are merciful and you are kind. You give us the plans for marriage, the design, exactly the way that you said it should be. Father, I pray that you would forgive every man in here that has either been overly harsh with his wife in his leading or has abrogated his responsibility to lead. pray that you would forgive us. We just want grace and mercy. We want grace and mercy. And I pray that, Lord, that you would help us. It's not bootstrap Christianity. We're just not going to try to do it on our own. We're just going to admit that we failed and we're going to ask you to help us. And so, Lord, please help us. Please help every husband in here to love his wife like Jesus Christ loved the church and in a loving way lead as we follow you. And, Father, I pray for every wife in here that if she has been forced on or on her own desire, taking the authority of her husband. I pray that you would forgive her and give her grace and give her mercy. And Lord, that she would just cry out for help and that you would draw near to her and that you would comfort her, that you would just show her that you have got her and that she can trust in you because you are the one that died for her. And ultimately, Lord, she's submitting to you and that you are safe and you are kind. And Lord, that you have a plan. And Lord, that you love her unbelieving husband if he doesn't know you. Lord, show her how to be gentle and quiet in spirit. Lord, show her that she's beautiful in your eyes. Pray that you would give her the self-confidence that she's pleasing to you and she's beautiful to you and not compete in the world. And Father, we just love you. We ask that you would draw people to yourself. And that you would just give us grace and mercy and help us to be the husbands and wives that you have called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.